Welcome to Beauty and Mr. B, my podcast. I'm Mr. B. Today I'd like to continue in diary form with my effort to understand modern anger. In the first entry of this series, I raised a few questions about some ways that anger is expressed in society today, while at the same time I forcefully denied that I, Mr. B, would ever be guilty of feeling angry. By the time I recorded my second diary entry, I had come to grips with the truth. I admitted to myself and the world that, in fact, I too suffer anger. Plus, I became a bit introspective on how living so long within this state of denial, burying my anger so deep that I had virtually lost touch with my own feelings, has probably interfered with my own personal growth. Facing up to the truth of my own anger, I must confess, has not been all that easy. In this, my third diary entry of this series, we'll continue to explore certain foundational truths about the reality of modern anger, realities that I hope will ultimately free us to live openly and authentically within the compassion and knowledge that represents our true and highest natures. Three questions will guide the rest of our discussion in this series of podcasts about the phenomenon of modern anger. First, we'll take a look at what leads to modern anger. What exactly, dear listeners, triggers our feelings of anger? That is the question we'll consider in this diary entry. Second, in our next episode, which is coming soon, I promise, we'll examine how we ordinarily react to the anger that we feel. Here's one way of framing this question. Why is it that we tend to run and hide from our feelings of anger? I know, this stuff can get pretty interesting. I'm almost sure you'll want to tune in for the fourth episode in this series. Here's a preview, my friends, of the fifth and final episode of this series of diary entries on modern anger. Ready? Okay. Exploring what triggers our anger and how we tend to react will lead us ultimately to a third set of big questions. In our efforts to avoid and deny feelings of anger, what exactly have we done? Have we acted based on reality, what is true, or have we acted based upon an idea that is false, an illusion? My guess is that right about now, you may be thinking something like this. Mr. B, my reaction to anger is based on reality. Duh. The reality that I am powerless to affect truly constructive change in society. It's sad, but it's true, Mr. B. I am utterly without power to help bring about a world that is just. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that I can do. If this is where your reaction to anger comes from, the despair of feeling powerless, my sense is that what I will have to say about the true nature of our own power in the world 
may surprise you. My claim is this. The sense of powerlessness that currently pervades modern society is mostly a lie. It's false and illusion. The idea of power today is narrow, too small, confined within a reality that's purely material. Beyond the narrowness of this material conception, there exists a larger truth, a reality that's much bigger, more all-encompassing, one that acknowledges the whole truth of power in spiritual terms. Indeed, once our perception of reality has been enlarged to include the spiritual realm, the highest reality, we can begin to see and know more of what is true. We, yes, each one of us, possess inborn within the potential to develop virtually infinite powers, powers of the human spirit that carry with them the potential to transform our own lives and the life of society as a whole. My hope is that, within the beauty of this largest possible understanding of reality, we will be inspired to embrace our roles as active agents in the building of a world that is truly just, and that individually we will be freed from the anger that interferes with the whole of our possibilities for endless progress. Well, my friends, that is a lot, way too much for a single podcast episode. So in this episode, the third in this series, we'll limit our discussion to the first of the questions that will guide the rest of our exploration. And that first of questions is this. What exactly serves to trigger our feelings of this modern version of anger? Hmm... How can we better understand the expression of anger today? At first glance, there seems to be lots and lots and lots that trigger our feelings of anger. It seems that so much of what triggers anger is individual, with triggers varied from person to person. Yes, I understand. It is possible for modern anger to be expressed in innumerable ways. Yet, without denying that anger can be triggered by something personal, it also appears clear to me that still there is something greater at work here, something more all-encompassing, a receptacle so large that it could hold virtually every trigger of anger. And this container, I submit, is injustice. Yes, injustice. Meaning? As a former lawyer, I understand the concept of justice well. And I know what is just in terms of truth. An action aligned with reality, what is true, can properly be understood as just. Conversely, an action aligned with something, anything other than truth, a lie, a fraud, manipulation, a deception, must be understood as unjust, as an instance of injustice. Take, for example, the idea behind our system of criminal justice, 
The purpose of our criminal system is to administer or apply justice. And the system fulfills this purpose whenever its judgments and punishments accord with what is, in fact, the truth. So, when a criminal defendant is sentenced to life in prison for a crime she did not commit, or yet another unarmed black man is shot and killed by the police, we instantly experience and in our hearts know these as instances of injustice. It is this injustice, what is false, more than any other factor I submit, that triggers our feelings of anger. Injustice comes in every shape and size, big and small, in all of them. Each and every one can potentially add fuel to the fire of our anger. Think about it. A president proposes a wall on our southern border to keep migrants out. Despite what we know in our hearts, the foundational truth that all of humanity is one people, a single race, one extended family. Or what about when corporate headquarters assigns frontline workers a whole new set of responsibilities, duties that defy experience and common sense, all without including these same workers within the process of decision-making. Unjust again. Or what about when, as a student, so much can ride on the results of a three-hour standardized test that does not, indeed cannot, measure the qualities that truly predict achievement? Our capacities for empathy, collaboration, perseverance, or the sincerity of our efforts to work diligently in the best interests of others. I haven't even touched on the incredibly unjust expense of college today. You see, dear listeners, there are so many injustices that define the modern world, that shape our daily experience. Each and every injustice constitutes a potential source which kindles fires of anger that in our society today continue to grow. I wish that I could stop this discussion of injustice here. I'm sorry, I've probably already triggered an uprising of anger within you. But there is one more aspect of what triggers anger that absolutely must be addressed. It's only getting worse, much worse. Today, our world is fast becoming entirely disconnected from reality. The lies, manipulations, and deceptions that characterize modern society flourish, and our anger keeps on rising. Why, you might ask, how can I make sense of all this injustice? Well, my friends, Here's how I've come to understand the modern dynamic of our rising anger. Those who own and run the world today, the top one-tenth of the one percent, the billionaire class, hold so much power that they now feel that they can ignore, frame, and redefine what is true in whatever ways might best suit its own material self-interest. Please know this, that the realities of truth and justice 
operate to limit the freedom of those in power. Take Amazon, for example, and its owner, Jeff Bezos, the richest man in history. If he operated Amazon according to principles of justice, meaning according to what would truly be in the best interest of humanity as a whole, Bezos would make a lot less money, he would hold much less power, and my bet is that he would treat Amazon's employees and suppliers much better than it does. Really, it's pretty simple. Justice limits power. But at this point in time, when there has developed a historically unprecedented divide between the very richest and everyone else, Jeff Bezos and others who belong to the same club of billionaires control so much wealth and wield so much power that they are no longer held in check by what is just or true. We now live in what some public intellectuals describe as the post-truth world, a place where the lies, manipulations, and deceptions of injustice have become the modern norm. And so, our feelings of anger continue to rise. This development really is not all that new. The decreasing relevance of truth has been escalating for what is now easily more than a century. Indeed, as early as the first half of the 20th century, this phenomenon of modern injustice was observed in clear terms by the French philosopher Simone Weil. Quote, in the present crisis, World War II, there is something compromised which is infinitely more precious even than science. It is the idea of truth. So, soon as truth disappears, utility at once takes its place, because man always directs his effort towards some good or other. Thus, utility, or usefulness for me, becomes something which the intelligence is no longer entitled to define or judge, but only to serve. From being the arbiter, intelligence becomes the servant, and it gets its orders from the desires. And further, public opinion then replaces conscience as sovereign mistress of thoughts, because man always submits his thoughts to some higher control, which is superior either in value or else in power. That is where we are today. Everything is oriented toward utility, which nobody thinks of defining. Public opinion reigns supreme in the village of scientists as in the great nations. It is as though we had returned to the age of Protagoras and the Sophists, the age when the art of persuasion, whose modern equivalent is advertising, publicity, propaganda meetings, the press, the cinema, the radio, took the place of thought, unquote. Is Vile's claim still legitimate? That the presence of truth is now in the process of disappearing? As a public high school teacher of social studies for more than 20 years, I can personally attest to the truth of Vile's claims. And I'm 100% sure that the thinker who many consider to be the leading public intellectual in the world today, Noam Chomsky, 
would also agree with Weil's observations. Truth has become largely irrelevant in systems of public education. What is relevant and most important in education, Chomsky has openly and repeatedly stated, is blind obedience to authority. It's the student who completes the absolutely most ridiculous of assignments without even batting an eye who will advance in the system. The student who asks questions, who wants to know why such a stupid task would ever be assigned, you know, the student who simply refuses to waste her time on such a ridiculous exercise, well, she becomes that student who will not advance, the one who will fail, the student who the system will hold back. Indeed, it is this student, the one who takes initiative to think for herself and actively participate in her own education by asking questions who might even be punished for insubordination. As Chomsky has put it, the main purpose of education today has become to filter and rank students based primarily upon their willingness to obey without questions those who occupy positions of authority. Just FYI, if you'd like to see Chomsky speak on education for yourself, take a peek at my website, beautymrb.org, where I've posted a short video of a Q&A session that followed one of his lectures. To equate such a system with anything that resembles true education would, needless to say, be nothing less than flat-out lies. To name a system that compels blind obedience to power education involves nothing less than the grossest injustice. If our school systems had anything, in fact, to do with real education, the emphasis would be on assisting each student in the cultivation of his own capacities to investigate the truth, to separate reality from illusion independently for himself. The manipulation and deception that lies at the root of American public education, I submit, constitutes one of the most fundamental injustices of our 21st century post-truth society. Now, brothers and sisters, this much I must now admit. I am getting mad. Before I become too triggered about the injustice of education today, this might just be the right time to end this episode and get ourselves ready to switch gears for question number two where we take a closer look at the truth underlying our reaction to anger. If you're much like me, your first reaction might be to deny anger, to run and hide from an emotion we've come to view as negative and rationalize as destructive. I have already touched on a few what's of this reaction in the first two entries of the series. In the next episode, we will dig deeper into the question of why, toward a foundational reality, exploring the question of what truly lies at the root of our effort to avoid and deny anger. Why is it, really, 
that we tend to run and hide from our feelings of anger. I hope you will want to take a listen. Until next time, my friends, here's my number one wish and prayer for us all. Peace.